Blog Talk Radio. I have an emergency. What is your location? Indeed, there is. And uh, yes, there is a war, including the one in the airwaves. So we thank you, Jesus, for reconnecting us, getting us on the air, giving us favor and blessing, protecting this recording. We just bind every technical difficulty, Father, in the name of Jesus of Nazareth, because you said no weapon formed against us will prosper, that no word said, no deed done, no action taken will be able to be used by the enemy to bring forth any shame, trouble, reproach, or hindrance, or delay, or scrambling. Uh, or interception of our words uh, by the enemy. Father, we thank you for divine favor and blessing and protection over all of us, everyone who listens, for our families, for divine protection, covering, especially especially at this time of the year, in our hearts and minds and emotions. Lord God, that you keep us in our words and conversations, our hopes, expectations, that we would keep our our peace and our mind and our hope uh, fixed on you, Lord God, by the power of your Holy Spirit. Because you said you will keep him in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed on you. And we thank you for this wonderful gift that we celebrate at this time of the year of the Son of God being given to us, Lord. And so I pray today that you give us wisdom and instruction, that you give us eyes to see and ears to hear. And if need be, Lord God, that you'd shift our paradigms so that we would get based on the solid rock, Christ Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. And thank you, everyone, for listening um, today, hi, honey, you're back, I see. Yeah, here we are. Hey, Boy, you know, is, this is this something. Is, this is something to, uh, to check out here. I'm looking forward to this. Yeah, we're going to be talking today about Christmas lost uh, or Christmas overwritten, if you have computer language, or repackaged. Interesting. Last week we talked about Christmas. What about Christmas? And to, this week kind of why Christmas? And, you know, looking at the traditions uh, the sacred is it a, a sacred religious holiday, a pagan holiday, a holy day, uh, or a conspiracy? And so I asked you, and you did your homework. So um, I said, see how well you did here. Well, I did a lot of a lot of homework, and I think we'll have to spread it out over the course of the of the program here today. Of course. Yeah. Uh, so what was your assignment? Well, I was just researching some of these uh, traditions yeah. that, that are so common part yeah. of Christmas. And, uh, you know, now the Christmas means Christ Mass. It was something that was established by the Catholic Church um, and is established at, at determined that we would celebrate the birth of Christ on December 25th, which is right about the same time as a lot of pagan festivals okay. are being celebrated. And so this is this is common if you study the original uh, ordination and the development of the Catholic Church. Many of the rituals that are incorporated with the, with Catholicism have their uh, parallels with paganism. Mm-hmm. Is, is, are, are, have incorporated pagan practices. Uh, this was done to kind of accommodate the pagans when uh, uh, it was declared that uh, by Constantine, Constantine yeah. declared that. Christianity was the official religion of the Roman Empire. So, so to pacify and satisfy the uh, the pagans there without throwing them off too much and say, no, you have to give up all this stuff, it's like you can keep your pagan practices, but we'll just call it something different. Oh, And so that was that well. was part of the roots of many, many of the uh, mm-hmm. uh, Catholic traditions. Well, what, what, uh, my question, question, 
Okay, Christmas, Christ, Mass, you said, um, as a two-word kind of breaking it down. In the Catholic Church, the word Mass is the celebration of the Mass, is the celebration of the re-sacrificing or the commemoration of the crucifixion, which is the sacrifice of Jesus. So right. does Christmas then mean the reminding us of the of Christ's sacrifice? Is that why it's... Uh, not, not really. I mean, because the sacrifice, the Mass, is, is actually is, it's, it's called a sacrifice. Jesus instituted the Lord's Supper mm-hmm. to be a remembrance of him, mm-hmm. not a re-crucifying of him. Right, a but the word offering of him. But the word mass, I think the I, I don't know, I didn't look it up. Did you look at the word mass doesn't mean sacrifice. So what I'm getting at is that Christmas when you say like Merry Christmas, you're you're rejoicing again in Christ's sacrifice, um his one time sacrifice on the cross. Yeah, not not a sacrifice that is done again and again and right. again and again and again. Because we read in Hebrews mm-hmm. that for one sacrifice uh-huh. he is perfected ever them that are sanctified. So, mm-hmm. uh, so well, anyway, I think, that's I think getting, the original of the name. Okay, is, so so kind of keep in mind as we kind of go through this broadcast today that what I really believe, and you can yes or no to whatever, but uh, is that when last week we talked about you know the conspiracies that Satan had to st- stop Jesus from coming, and at this point now he's got to deal with Jesus came. And what are we going to do? How are we going to bury that, hide that, minimize that, deny that, you know, reframe that so that everything that Christ ever does gets buried in some demonic uh, rewriting or paganized fable of it or something. So I think what we're looking at here is what actually happened. Once Christ was here, once Jesus was born, um, then what happened was now Satan has to scamper, scurry around to come up with some real good, just like everything that God did when he did creation, uh, when he did the flood, when he did all, the, the, the enemy always had to come up with some different stories about what happened. Evolution is one of those stories, uh, you know, the the earth being formed on the back of giant crystals or something. I have no idea. But anyway, it's so ridiculous, it doesn't make sense at all. But people are willing to buy into it because if they buy into that, then they don't have to buy into any kind of submission to uh, or uh, um, acknowledging of the one true God, but yeah, so Christmas. So I believe, like you said, uh, when when Constantine took over basically the world and established the world religion and declared it to be some kind of uh, mixture of paganism and and the, the belief systems of the Christians, this was exactly what he uh, had in mind. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, part of it is that you know we read in the early church, the first century church. If you read in the book of uh, book of Acts, you read in any of the epistles. There's nothing said there about celebrating the birth of Christ. Right. You have Matthew, uh, Mar- uh, yeah, Luke, true. John, uh, Matthew, and Luke particularly record the, the story, the birth of Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. But you don't really see, uh, you know, the Apostle Paul celebrating Christmas. Mm-hmm. I mean, the the, t- the term wasn't even there, but there was not. They were the people there. Rather than you know celebrating, they recognized Jesus was born of a virgin and mm-hmm. went to the cross. But they were celebrating the the uh, and and preaching uh, the power of Christ, the, the resurrection, resurrection of Christ, the re- redemption of Christ. Yeah, and I don't even think they they celebrated the resurrection right away. But wouldn't it been more likely that they, being coming out of Judaism, and uh, that they would be celebrating the, the God given seven feasts, uh, and and wouldn't that be the feast of dedication? that festival around December, whatever it is, or the Feast of Lights, Hanukkah. I think we just had Hanukkah yesterday, which is kind of the Feast of the Celebration of right. Lights. Well, what I was saying about, you know, celebrating the resurrection, it wasn't that we have uh, uh, Easter Sunday. No. It, it was celebrating in the sense of living out that the message. They lived in the message and power of Christ's resurrection, right. Christ being raised. From so they the dead. celebrated so it every day. They lived, they lived it every every day. Every day, sure, uh, absolutely. In, in power. That's but, how they celebrated it. So yeah, so they um, and and like you said, uh, the Jews, even though they were now Christians, would probably have been more likely to go back to the festivals that they already had known, um, the the de- dedication, feast of lights, tabernacles, all these things, but um, things that came in that you're going to be telling us about now, they were kind of implemented through the cultures that had not yet been exposed. They were already practiced 
in the cultures that not, had not been exposed to Christianity yet. Or right, right. Well, one thing too is, is the decision by the Catholic Church to celebrate the birth of Christ on December 25th mm-hmm. was because, as we mentioned earlier, the a lot of pagan rituals were celebrated at that time of the year. Winter because solstice. Because it was the winter yeah, solstice. Yeah, that's what I thought. And 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 uh, in the northern hemisphere, anyway, mm-hmm. and it was that the traditional time of various pagan celebrations among these uh, pagan cultures. So so said, so, well, let's let's just kind of accommodate um, this uh, birthday celebration, if you were, mm-hmm. of Christ, accommodate that to the, mm-hmm. the pagan practices that were had been yeah. going on mm-hmm. for centuries. Yeah, makes sense. So, um, yeah, so, and I see that, like you're saying, it's like either there's an association or a crossing over or mingling of the Christian um, truths with the pagan customs, uh, which kind of gives a, a kind of a watering down of the power. Exactly, because when you look at the Old Testament, why did Israel, why did Judah get in trouble constantly? Part of it was because yeah, yeah. They, in, read Isaiah, read mm-hmm. Jeremiah, read the other prophets, they incorporated pagan practices. The people of God mixed incorporated mm-hmm. pagan practices. Yeah. yeah, mixture. They mixed. Like for example, it's what it's what theologians will call syncretism, oh. which means it hasn't. Not, it's s y n c r e t i s m, which means a mixture. Mm. You mix that. You take a little bit of. You know, of, of of the of the Old Testament law, you take something from the mm-hmm. the Babylonians, you take something from the Assyrians, you take something from the Egyptians, and you kind of mush it all together to kind of get your own uh, new religion, version, <laughs> so to speak. And it's really common, Marjorie, is what's happening today, mm-hmm. especially you know, we we hear about the uh, New Age movement, a lot of things, and even in the the Church of Jesus Christ yet today. There are a lot of well, uh, pagan practices incorporated. Well, and and making it more specific, pagan practices in the in the uh, Christmas season or holiday or celebrating the birth of Christ. Let's put it that way. I think that causes a lot of Christians to become uh, vulnerable to being confused and possibly even anxious about well, what is what are we supposed to do here? What what does God want us to do? And and so some back away completely from the celebration of Christmas or the time of Christ's birth and celebrating it, fearing that somehow because they put up a Christmas tree or hang a wreath or light a candle, that somehow they're going to be creating and participating in heathen customs. When we have to realize that, like in the Old Testament, what, you, what God was upset about, they were worshiping, the, the, his people were worshiping idols, sacrificing their children on the high places or in the groves, when God said, I want my worship and sacrifice to be done this way and at the temple, and you're supposed to sacrifice lambs and offer grain offerings and blah, blah, blah. Very specific, very specific people who are supposed to be doing it. So when they started dragging it out into the groves and the, and the hedges and, and occultic kind of secret hidden in the dark, uh, they were actually inviting at that point, uh, opening themselves up to the demonic powers behind the, the sticks and the stones that they were that were uh, being animated by these demons. And so they um, they were in trouble spiritually. Now, bringing that down to today, the reasoning would be that, okay, we can't do Christmas, uh, you know, we can't do And as a matter of fact, I heard that the Puritans, um, uh, what's his name, Bradley, uh, was it William Bradley? He even forbade them to, to practice Christmas because of its pagan uh, overtones. And so they would be fined or put in jail for practicing practicing Christmas, mm-hmm. if you will, practicing mm-hmm. Christmas. Mm-hmm. Anyway, but but let's look at some of these things, and then we'll discuss that a little bit lo- later on yeah, in the show yeah. with the, mean, kind of the question. You too, that there's so much clutter yeah, we that did. has come in around the Christmas celebration to, um, to in a sense, hide Christ. Right, that's what to, Satan to, wants to, to do, obscure. Mm-hmm. And, and it's basically... Satan's form of damage control. Yeah, there you go. That does a lot of damage. Yeah, well, yeah, it take takes away the real joy and peace of Christmas yeah. and substitute anxious, you know, covetous, greedy, jealous, mad, upset feelings for what could be peace and joy. I've often said this: if a Martian, if there were Martians, if they would land on the Earth around Christmas time and, and you know take a tour downtown in one of the bigger cities, looking into the city lights, the shops, the the malls. 
would they be able to figure out what is actually going on by the things they're seeing displayed in the shops and the, and the way people are dressing, the decorations? Would they actually be able to discover the real root and reason for the celebration? Right, right. The, the, the story is told of a little boy that went to in a, in a major city downtown. They were, you know, Christmas shopping, Christmas shopping with his parents, and and they were looking in the store windows and they saw all the displays and Santas and everything, mm-hmm. and finally came along, and there in one little store window there was a small nativity set, of course, with the mm-hmm. depiction of the baby Jesus. And he turns to his mom and said, who's the baby? Yeah. Yeah. Who's so, the, yeah. yeah. And that's the thing, you know, who is the baby is, is, is the question. But um, uh, here's one of the, uh, I, I remember reading an article uh, years ago, and it was on the cover, I think, of Christianity Today magazine. And they had a picture of Santa Claus on the cross with Christmas lights wrapped around. Uh-huh. He was tied up there with Christmas lights. And it said, Santa Claus, Satan's substitute for the Savior. Pretty graphic, I'd pretty, say. Pretty plain. This is probably 20 years ago I saw this. But let we talk about Santa Claus. Sure, let's go for it. Here comes Santa Claus, okay? Um, Santa Claus originated with St. Nicholas, mm-hmm. who was the Bishop of Myra in the 4th in the century. Okay. Uh, he, he lived in That's the about area. the same time as Constantine, yeah. right around that same right. time. He lived in the area known as uh, what what you now know as Turkey. Oh, and Turkey. he was reported. Yeah, so that's why we eat turkey uh, at Santa Christmas. Claus uh, Santa Claus was a Turk. Santa Claus was a Turk. Okay. Turk. Anyway, um, reported he was reported to be a very generous man, and he was especially generous toward uh, children. And um, that was now, nice. In in about 340 BC, uh, 340 AD, actually after yeah. Christ. Yeah. He he died and was buried in Myra, but in one thousand in in ten eighty seven Italian sailors, Italian sailors, yeah. purportedly stole his remains and brought them to Italy, and w- which in the huh. word of this got around and it greatly increased his popularity uh, as as Saint Nicholas throughout Europe. Why would they want his bones? I don't know. I don't know. Looking for relics, maybe. I relics, don't know. Maybe there was something. I don't but, know. But his kindness and uh, generosity and rep- you know gave rise to claims that he could perform miracles. Mm-hmm. And and so there's this whole legend that grew up around him. So his popularity increased. He became Saint Nicholas became the patron saint of Russia, Ooh. where he was known by his red cape, his flowing white beard, mm. and his bishop's mitre. In Greece, he's the patron saint of sailors. In France, he was the patron of lawyers. <laughs> in Belgium, the patron of children and travelers. Mm. And thousands of churches in Europe, Marjorie, were dedicated to him. And around the 12th century, a holiday was created in his honor, the Feast of St. Nicholas, mm. celebrated, uh, I think it's December 6th, somewhere in there. Mm-hmm. It's a day marked by gift-giving and charity, but... And then after the Reformation. That's right. I remember that because I remember uh, St. Nicholas Day was the 6th or 7th of December yeah. because they would, we'd hang stockings and then we'd have little gifts put in our stockings by yep, St. Nicholas, yep. of course. Right. And after, As a kid. Yeah. After the Reformation, uh, the European followers of St. Nicholas dwindled. Um, but the legend, you know, I suppose that basically the in the time of the Reformation, the, the Catholic Church was kind of taking a hit you know, because of the efforts yeah. of, of Martin Luther. They're and reforming, so and, and a lot of those things right, are probably right. getting taken out. But the legend was kept alive in Holland. So the le- the legend Ooh. sort of spread to Holland, where the children would leave their wooden shoes by the fireplace, and, and it was called he was called Sinterklaas, Sinterklaas, S-I-N-T-E-R-K-L-A-A-S, would reward good children by placing treats in their shoes. Hmm. And then the Dutch colonists brought the tradition with them to America in the 17th Weren't century. Weren't they? Yeah. And then, and then, and then here, the, the Anglican name Santa Claus mm-hmm. emerged. So You know, a Santa, Santa is just a couple of reshuffling of a couple of letters of Satan. Yeah, it's interesting. Right. 
right. um, clause, and you could see C L A W S. Yeah, right. That's yeah. how it's spelled. But uh, go uh, ahead. Let me say too, and then and then what really kind of established the image that we have of, of Saint- Santa Claus now was uh, the poem, famous poem written by Clement C. Moore in 1822. He wrote this as a gift for his children. Uh Purportedly, he wrote this on Christmas Eve and then later had it published. Um, It was called A Visit from St. Nicholas, and it was published as The Night Before Christmas. And we know that most of us are familiar with that. And that's where Santa Claus is portrayed as a jolly, plump, benevolent man with a white beard and a red suit. And that's what really remains with us today. So basically, his poem really uh, is what kind of established that, was 1882? The of, that we have. 1882, uh, huh? Today. That's a long time ago. But you know, um, I can see an image of like this, you know, guy back in wherever he was in Turkey putting gifts. You know, I think what he did was he had maybe a bag of gifts or a sack or something, and he would put them in the houses in the secretly under mm-hmm. the in in the doors of the. Uh, I suppose they didn't lock their doors back in those days, so that was kind of a secret way of of blessing, uh, anonymously blessing people. We kind of still do. I think the gift thing is a good thing. God gave the gift. Actually, God's gift is the best gift, and that was the gift of His Son. That's right. So this is kind of a a, a way of you know, even even uh, paying it forward, so to speak, uh, giving gifts to people and thinking of others at this time of year, which is love. Basically, I think the season of Christmas is when we think more about love and others and how they feel and what would bless them. And, and so I like the idea of, of, but Satan oftentimes uses something that a good thing, it's a good thing. The guy was trying to be good and well, nice. And, yeah, that's it. And I think he had no idea that he was going to end up being Santa Claus someday so or whatever. So here's a church leader that's just being generous and yeah. kind and mm-hmm. being benevolent. And then out of that comes what we, what we Who would today. ever know? And his I'm bones were stolen on top of it. Unbelievable what yeah, the enemy yeah. can do. But so that's, but so do we, does that mean then that we stop giving gifts because we don't want to acknowledge? Or so many times I think Satan tries to steal from us by getting us legalistic and saying, you know what, okay, so if the pagans are doing all that, then I can't do that because then I'll look like a pagan. Um, <clears throat> well, the pagan, what is a pagan? It's an irreligious person who is superstitious is basically what a pagan. Mm-hmm. They're irreligious. They don't have a religious format or they have a conglomeration of fables and stories and fantasies that they've put together synchron, synchronism, syncretistically. How do you say that word? Syncretistic. Syncretistically, yeah. So that they have their own hodgepodge of whatever they they believe, but it's always based on fate or superstition or, um, you know, secrets, occult, hidden things, um, luck. And it gives you no sense of any kind of rhyme or reason. The Bible says that there's a reason for things. He says the curse without a cause does not come. So that means there's a reason for things. But so when you're under the paganistic, uh, aura of fables and fantasies and fairies and Santa Claus and whatever, whatever, and, and good works bring you good. I think, you know, we've had that, speaking of Santa Claus, you know, we say to the kids, okay, um, we got to be good. Santa Claus is coming. You know, will you be naughty or nice? Are you on his good list? Blah, 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 with the lump of coal kind of thing or the the treats in the, in the Dutch shoes, whatever, the socks. <clears throat> you know, and it teaches people the wrong thing. It teaches people just exactly the opposite of the gospel. And, and it's interesting, even, and I'll, I'm sure we'll speak of this again tomorrow, next week, but when... When God came, his words through the angel to the prophets, yeah, the the shepherds were the prophets, I guess, at that point. He said, um, uh, peace, goodwill towards men. What Satan did with that, those few words, is he switched them around. He said, peace towards men of goodwill, which makes it conditional, which makes it like, like, okay, you've got to earn this. And the same with the Santa Claus. You've got to earn it. You've got to be good, naughty or nice. Um, uh, because if you, it, so it's all about works as opposed to grace. Mm-hmm. In the first, what God said, it was grace. I give you the gift of my son. Good news, good news, mm-hmm. joy, peace uh, on, on earth, goodwill towards men. He was bringing peace, joy, goodwill. And the enemy just flips a couple words and you get the total opposite meaning. Isn't mm-hmm. that clever? Exactly, exactly. Now, what about Christmas trees? Well, I heard that they started in Germany. And, um, that's all I basically know about it. What do you know about it? Well, 
I know a little bit, but uh, a little bit more than that, because <laughs> you did your homework, right? Well, a little bit, yeah. It, the Christmas tree. Now, in the in the, you're right about Germany in the 16th century. Uh, German in Germany, there were fir trees that were decorated both indoors and outdoors with apples, roses, gilded candles, colored paper. Um, the the reformer Martin Luther is credited as having the first lit Christmas tree. Who was? Martin Luther. Oh. And he's the guy that wrote Away in the Manger, too. Martin Luther did that? Yes, he did. So, I didn't know. I like uh, that song. Um, so he so was what, for Christmas. One night, <laughs> one night uh, the story goes that Martin Luther's nice wintry night, he was walking home. And, and and he saw the stars. Stars were brilliant that night, mm-hmm. shining through the trees. So he apparently got a small tree and brought it uh, in his house and put a few candles on it. The image of the stars shining through mm-hmm. the trees outside. And he thought, well, let's bring this indoors in a, in a limited sense. So um, now Queen Victoria in England... In Victorian England, her husband was from Germany. He was Prince Albert. Okay. And uh, you know, we, you've heard of the old Prince Albert tobacco and stuff like that. Some of you may have. Oh. But anyway, I don't know how he got the name for that. But Prince Albert uh, brought the Christmas tree tradition to England, and uh, and then there was an etching that was produced in 1848. Uh, depicting the royal family of England and their children gathering gathered around the Christmas tree in Windsor Castle. Oh, and so when was that? that? 1848. So it's about the same time as uh, "Twas the Night Before Christmas." Well, it was about yeah, the same time as the, 1843. Uh, wasn't that when well, uh, 1822 Charles? Twenty-two is when the. Uh, a visit from Saint Nicholas, or, night, or a night, the night before Christmas, was published. And, and then, eighteen forty-eight was this etching that came. And eighteen forty-three was Charles Dickens. So they're right all around yeah, at the same yeah. time. All, a lot Christmas of it all Carol. together. There. So, um, and so that really, you know, what the what what the in England, what the Queen's doing, everybody wants to be doing. <laughs> yes, she you sets know, that standard sort of thing. I mean, they're, they're for home decorating. With their, their kings and their queens and their princes really and their earls and their dukes. And, it's kind of an idol- idolatrous yeah. thing, isn't it? Yeah. But, so that really is what popularized the Christmas tree throughout England. And then the Germans brought the Tristan to America. These, these, uh, in, they came to Pencil, what's now in Pennsylvania. Germans brought the tradition to America and the Christmas tree became very popular here by the late 19th century. Mm-hmm. Now, a lot of, you mentioned Margie, brought a lot of people that really say, oh, we should never have a Christmas tree because, you know, in ancient times, you can read in scripture, there's scripture verses that in the Old Testament that talk about peoples and tribes. They had holy groves. They had groves Mm-hmm. God will mention that the prophets will mention that you're 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 sacrificing to the groves. You're worshiping mm-hmm. these mm-hmm. idols in the groves or on the and high they places. Tree, they had groves and trees where the people gave sacrifices to their gods. Uh, so they said, "Well, we shouldn't do anything that smacks of that." Well, you know, I mean, it's like to me, it's like, uh, well, unbelievers eat. Should we stop eating because unbelievers eat? Or they are, yeah. They're hypocrites, and they go to the grocery yeah, store. Yeah, so the should we stop going to the grocery store? A, you know, if you are, they breathe uh, air too. Yeah, it's like <laughs> okay. it's like you know, if you have a Christmas tree, if I mean, if you're well, I just think of a Christmas tree literally. Some pagan. I I God. think of a Christmas tree as a big giant birthday candle to Jesus on his birthday cake, so to yeah. speak. It's just a big. I mean, and the lights. God made the lights. God made the stars. Why do we have to stop? acknowledging God through creation by because somebody else is taking it and twisting it in the wrong way and worshiping in the groves. What does that mean now we don't have groves? We can't use wood. We have to stop breathing air, stop eating food. That's, that's ridiculous. Yeah. Um, it, it's, about, it's about your motive, the motive of your heart, and God knows our heart. And, and so if some people believe, you know, like, oh, I can't do this. This is a sin. This is too much like paganism, then 
whatever is not of faith is sin, so don't do it if it's that's your deal. Like Paul says, too, some people can't eat the meat offered to the idols in the marketplace. So they, you know, they offer the meat and then they resold it in the market and then you buy it half price or, you know, whatever. And he said, some people can't eat that because they're, they're thinking that they're participating with the idol service. He says, I, I, he says, it's really nothing. I think that's First Corinthians 8. Yeah, but he said, don't go against your but, conscience. If right. Conscience. And, and because if you do that, the devil's going to hit you up with guilt. But if you have enough grace and realize, like in Colossians, where God is saying, there's neither one day that's more special than the other. And, um, you know, uh, let's see if I can even find that. Um, there, Christmas every day in our hearts, there's some days when more people are thinking about it than others. And I think that's the difference. And the good part about Christmas is you've got a whole bunch of people thinking about it at the same time. But he says, um, it's, where does he say this? And, um, 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 yeah, in, in Colossians 2, 18, let no one defraud you of your reward, taking delight in false humility and worshiping of angels, intruding into those things which he has not seen, vainly puffed up by his fleshly mind, and not holding to the fat holding fast to the head from whom all the body nourished and knit together by joints and ligament grows with increase, which is from God. Therefore, um, if Christ, if you've died with Christ from the basic principles of the world, why, as though living in the world, do you subject yourself to regulations? Do not touch, do not taste, do not handle, which all, all concern things which perish with the using according to the commandments and doctrines of men, um, these things indeed have an appearance of wisdom, of self-imposed religion, false humility, and the neglecting of the body, but are of no value against the indulgence of the flesh. So he's saying people think that if I do hard things, fast, refrain from joy, refrain from Christmas, don't participate in, uh, you know, whatever that celebration would look like, then I'm being holy. And he said it's vain, it's vanity, uh, puffed up by the fleshly mind. It's a, it's a lying spirit who's telling you in your mind, Oh, don't participate in that because you're going to be like the pagans. I, I know that God knows your heart. And I know that if you would listen to him, you'd also know your heart. And what's the truth is the truth is if you're celebrating it as unto the Lord, that there is, um, he says, therefore, let no one judge you in food or drink in regard to a festival or a new moon or Sabbath, which are a shadow of things to come, but the substances of Christ. You know, we live in the same seasons, equinoxes, uh, solstices, moons, new moons, old moons, red moons. Mm-hmm. <laughs> blue moons as everybody else and you know it's what you make of it it's what the lord god rever- because these things belong to the lord just because the devils you know confiscate them and claim all of them and whatever don't be silly don't be silly if, if whatever you're doing here's the simplest way to decide what to do if you should put up a christmas tree or not if you're putting up a christmas tree and it reduces down to fear then you're you're, you're operating out of fear if it reduces down to grace and peace and joy and blessing of other people, then put it up. Mm-hmm. And if you if you have a problem, you say, well, here's how I, I'm getting to the place now where decorating is a lot of work. And I say, oh, I can live without it. I can live without it. But, you know, how about the grandkids? They really want it. It's a blessing to them. So, therefore, I'll be a blessing, just like Paul says, I won't eat meat if that causes you to stumble. Grandma will put up a Christmas tree. Because that would, if I didn't, cause my little grandkids to stumble. So, it's not about me. It's not about you. And God is okay either way because he's got Christmas trees. He's got, he's, he can handle it. Okay. Don't be so uptight. Don't mess your mind up and, and, and lose the spirit of the season, which is peace and joy and meditating on, you know, that awesome story in Luke chapter two. Oh. We, we, the goal there, if you're all hassled out and hustled out and bustled out and crabby and can't get your fruitcake done and your sugar cookies got burnt, go read Luke chapter two. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, Refocus. It's, it's really again the whole point is that there that there there's so many things that I I call it the clutter of Christmas. There's so many things that are and it can make you mad. That can make you mad, stress you out, mm-hmm. frustrate you, or, or that you get so taken up with the trappings uh-huh. surrounding Christmas that you hold, you miss the whole point of, I know. of, of Christmas of the wow. It's it's like. Uh, this, is a, this is a true story. Uh, years ago, there were um, there was a christening. These people believed in you know infant baptism, which we do not subscribe to. We believe in baptism, but not infant baptism. Mm-hmm. But anyway, so they had this christening, I guess we'd call it, and um, the, the 
people you know at the church and they had all family and friends came over to the house afterwards and the mom came home she kind of took the baby rushed home uh and to, wanted to get the food all ready and all the guests were going to be arriving and she quickly the baby was sleeping baby was kind of you know wrapped up in a blanket set the baby down on the bed and then as people kept arriving and you know just kind of overwhelming the house and and they kept they started throwing their coats on the bed mm-hmm. you know like what those do that's and and they didn't realize that the baby was there and uh they they the baby was soon covered with all these coats and all of a sudden the mom was in the, in all the busyness of preparing the food and taking care of the guests and meeting everybody she realized oh no the baby she came back and the baby had suffocated under the coats mm-hmm. and so here, this is often what we do with with Christian with with even life. not only Christmas traditions but life Christian traditions or just life in general. There's all it's supposed to be that, that celebration with that for that it was supposed to be all about the baby, mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. in the in all the the preparations and activities surrounding that is, that were part of that celebration, they actually killed the baby. Well, so, good thing that Jesus didn't die yeah. in vain, and he rose again. Yeah, so... And but, we can't kill him. the thing is to keep our focus on Christ. Well, it's easy. It's very easy to be swept away with all of the pressures of, you know, performing, pleasing others, being there for them, uh, you know, feasts and preparations and whatnot and expectations and pressures. We all know that, but... If you can walk through that all, with, it's, a, it's a time of trial. And it's a, it's a hard time mm-hmm. because a lot of people can't afford any of this stuff that they see displayed so lavishly in our TVs, uh, stories and movies and uh, specials at that time of the year. And, oh, my, my, I don't have a fireplace and I don't have a Christmas tree and my feast and my table doesn't look like that and I can't afford and that, I blah, blah, blah. I haven't met my true love. Yeah. And, and so it or can just true, be a, you know, a tough true. day. Yeah. Yeah. For a lot of people. Yeah, it is. So if you can't, if you don't have people in your life and you're worried about being alone that day, get up and go find somebody else who's alone and bless them. Well. Go, you know, if you can't, can't do anything else, if you want to just go help, you know, give gifts uh, to the broken and the poor. I mean, there's plenty of poor people that we can still do kind things for. And you'll your whole attitude will change. Instead of thinking about yourself and what you don't have, you know, make something, give something away, Share be part of something, go yeah. serve a, at a soup kitchen, um, you know, invite a friend over, invite somebody over. Don't sit there alone and feel sorry for yourself. It's a waste of your time. And it's the, the devil's, you don't give that devil the, that, that day to beat you up. And if we go back to this old uh, St. Nicholas, yeah, uh, the old bishop of Myra back in the what, fourth, fourth century, mm-hmm. uh, I mean, Apparently, this was a man. I don't know much more about him than mm-hmm. he was like a church leader, but um, he was just very apparently kind and generous, pretty much all the time. Mm-hmm. You know, wow. because uh, and so sometimes we try to concentrate at the Christmas season what we don't really do all, all year long. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's always needy around us mm-hmm. all year round, not just at Christmas time. There's always people that need blessing and encouragement. So, really, the, Jesus came to demonstrate His love. And, yeah. The, the love, and that love can be demonstrated in tangible ways all through the uh, year. Yeah. Uh, let me. Can I talk to you about um, Christmas stockings? Oh, sure. Uh, Christmas stockings. <laughs> this is the. Now, now, some of this stuff. These are these are like legends. Now, whether this actually happened. But to the best of my research, this is where these things came from. The legend the legend has it that there was a kindly nobleman who had, his wife had passed away. Mm-hmm. Uh, he had three daughters. And after the death of his wife, he was became very despondent. Mm-hmm. And he just really spent his money, tried to mm-hmm. fill the void by spending money. And he, he spent his fortune. He lost mm-hmm. his fortune. Really? Through foolish purchases and so forth. Uh, so that left his three daughters without dowries. Mm-hmm. So if you didn't have a dowry, you you know, 
Nobody wanted you. Nobody wanted you if you didn't. No guy wanted true you. true love. <laughs> and so, so his three daughters were facing a life of spinsterhood, which, uh, you know, they were not going to be wow. married. So what St. Nicholas, mm-hmm. you know, the original St. Nicholas supposedly heard, about heard of their plight. Uh-huh. And he rode, he had a white horse, and he rode by on a white horse, and he had three... Uh, small pouches of gold coins, and he wanted to remain in us, so he he threw them down the chimney. Oh, and supposedly the girls had their stocking pairs of stockings hanging by the fireplace to dry, and these gold pouches fell in <laughs> into somehow stock. fell into the stockings. And that uh, sounds like a made-up story. And now to me. the nobleman. <laughs> had enough for his daughter's marriage, and they all married and lived happily ever after. Now, that's the legend. It sounds a little bit Hokey. little bit stretched, but a stretch as legends are. Always. But, you know, some say that, well, he he actually uh, brought, didn't, didn't, he threw the, he didn't throw the coins down the chimney. He threw them, just came into the house one day. And then anonymously mm-hmm. snuck in and then put the gold in the stockings. Isn't that but however something, it goes, isn't it's that, a legend. Isn't that something about legends that they always have to adjust them a little bit, change them yeah, a little bit, adapt yeah, them to the newer culture, the newer length? But Jesus is not a legend. He's not been adjusted, adapted, changed. The story has not changed. Whereas, you know, the story of Santa Claus and, and I, you know, again, going back to, you know, the legend of St. Nicholas, Santa Claus, and, and featuring, I mean, you can see how Santa has replaced as the centerpiece of Christmas in many, many people's minds. But, at the, but on the other side of that coin, if you look at uh, Christ Mass as the time of celebrating the birth of Jesus, although it, wasn't, it is not correctly the correct date, we know that, um, if you realize that there's also many pagans, unbelievers, who celebrate the birth of Jesus because they're kind of pulled in, just like the Christians were being pulled into the pagan stuff back in the day, now the the uh, the true me the, the reason for the season is Jesus Christ, of course, and so when you see people even who don't acknowledge Christ are actually inadvertently, you could say it just it reads the other way too. They're inadvertently celebrating the birth of our Savior and theirs, and they don't even know it because every time you put up a Christmas tree, you know, really, you could just as easily say, well, that represents the birth of Christ. That is in honor of Christ. That is for you know, remembering, um, acknowledging that little baby in the manger. And I wonder when Jesus, if he was laying in the manger that night in that starry night in Bethlehem, had an idea at all at that point in time, how many people would be celebrating that night, the eve of mm-hmm. his birth, or that with the dedication, with the house decorated, with the lights on, with the feast, the festival, mm-hmm. the family. And in some ways, so you could just as well say, well, you know what? The pagans... They're inadvertently, and I know the pagans do other things. They drink a lot and carry on and get drunk and all these other weird things that people do to try to be happy. But really, they are acknowledging the birth, because it goes both ways. If I acknowledge, if I participate in something inadvertently that belongs to the devil, then he takes claim for it, and, and I'm in agreement with it you know, through an implied consent or a passive agreement. So if they're agreeing with something, that is good and righteous and holy, then that is also attributed to them as a way of worshiping God. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And every knee will bow and every tongue will confess someday, whether the devil makes up all these stories in between time or not. But the only thing is who's going to stand before God and look like a fool when they believe all the fables, the fantasies and the fairy tales instead of the word of God and the truth of God. And all the people who made that happen, who made those fables and worked to present and and promote that paradigm of evil in the shifting of minds. I have to tell you, this is kind of interesting, you know, Christmas Carol uh, that was written by Charles Dickens back in 1843 was a a social uh, treatise on how things were going in England at that time. I think that was the same time as, you know, Christmas got started with the Queen and and William Booth was also there working to help people uh, get off the streets and off of uh, alcohol and stuff, even children. So we have the, the whole thing about doing good works at Christmas, the kindness of uh, Scrooge's heart was changed. And, and then we see, and now I'm going to step on a sacred cow here, so watch your toes, now, that 
you know, you have Disney doing a Christmas Carol, uh, the animated version with uh, Jim Carrey in there, uh, and it's it's just horrible. It's terrifying. It's it's over the top uh, with horror. And can you imagine little kids watching that? And it's very very uh, uh, like uh, uh, real. And and yet the whole point of Scrooge's change in heart is so obscured by the the vile the 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 detail of the misery and the horror and the I would say horror terrifying pictures and images that get burned into kids' brains and hearts and minds and of course they're going to look at it because it's a it's an animation and animations are for kids right and so what Disney has done is not help the cause but actually perverted the cause and I know some of the older versions that the you know. Um, what was it, George C. Scott? George C. Scott, and then there's an uh, there's an old one from back in the, like the 1930s that's mm-hmm. that's available now. Yeah, and there's different versions of. I it. remember, I, I remember the first time I saw Christmas Carol. I was a kid. I don't know how old I was. Probably you know, junior high or elementary, or whatever, middle school. And I saw the first opening scene with the door knocking, the the door thing changing into the picture of Marley, and I I turned it off. I said, Ah. This is too scary for me. Oh, and, yeah. um, you know, but but if you're not used to watching television a lot, that can be scary. But nowadays, kids are just so immune to all this stuff, it's almost scary that they can absorb so much horror and not get um, even moved by it. Yeah, that, that the one that uh, with Jim Carrey, it's this animation. So it looks like it's almost real people. You know what I'm saying? I don't know what kind of, anima- what kind I know. of animation you call that. But it's sort of like uh, someone commented. It's just like the Harry Potter version of, of, the, of a Christmas Carol. I have and, to say, and, yeah, and that's then, correct. Uh, uh, I have a, a friend that many years ago uh, wrote, uh, kind of rewrote the Christmas Carol, and it was called the Gospel According to Scrooge. Mm-hmm. Some of you listening may remember that the Jesus People Church in downtown Minneapolis years ago mm-hmm. used to do that. Thousands of people would come to that. It was a tradition. Christmas tradition, mm-hmm. and it was really focusing on uh, more what Dickens had in mind, but focusing right. on the gospel and the power of the gospel to yeah. transform lives. So I think there's still a church that's offering that free if you're in the Minneapolis area. Um, I think it's Spiritual Life Church, and I'm not sure the dates, 11th and 10th or something of December. So you might want to check that out if you're in the area. And I think so they're real, really still doing that Christmas according gospel, according to Scrooge, which would probably bring you the right flavor. I mean, it's interesting how you can take one story, the same story, and, and put such a tweak on it that it becomes a horror flick. Or you can put a, a, a gospel uh, bent on it or emphasis, and it becomes an edification. Isn't yeah. that weird? Well, we, we've, we we can do that with with truth, you know, where... Mm-hmm. Uh, Tradition can replace truth. Jesus, of course, rebuked that sort of thing. He says, in vain yeah. do they worship me, teaching for doctrine, the traditions of men. So we see that, yeah. you know, all these things. In this so I noticed that, what you, what you just said, teaching for doctrine, the traditions of men. A doctrine is something that's established by the Word of God as the foundation, as the principle, the operating principle for something, the determination of other things come out of that principle or that doctrine. Mm-hmm. And so they're teaching the traditions of men as if they're equal to the word of God or equal to the doctrine. And I think that's where a lot of religions go off the track is they begin to gather up their little uh, traditions and, and uh, the ways that they do things. That's what a tradition is, the way we do things. And um, we like the way we this way because it means this to us. And then it becomes substituted for the true, the truth, um, right. the real meaning. So tradition... Tradition equals truth. So that's yeah, that's there, that's, that, that's that's interesting. That's, that's not people. true, but that's what we kind of right. equate. Yeah, right, right. Well, so, if you don't set up the problem right, you'll never get the right answer. And mm-hmm, if you know anything mm-hmm, about math, mm-hmm. and if you're setting it up, putting tradition equals doctrine, and you substitute tradition uh, for truth, you will never ever get the right answer in your mm-hmm, printout. Mm-hmm. And that goes for the gospel, that goes for life, that goes for a lot of things. Mm-hmm. So set the problem up right and don't forget to put the devil in the equation and you should be okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, so... You got any more, honey? Oh, I got a bunch well, more. Well, give, yeah. give me a couple more. What? We can roll through a couple of these. Yeah, and I, then, I like this. I learned some I, yeah, old things. Uh, mistletoe. Oh, mistletoe, yeah. Okay. 
Mistletoe was used by the Druid priests 200 years Ooh, before ouch. the birth of Christ, the Druids. Before, before Jesus? Before the birth okay. of Christ. What so was this it? was involved with these occultic demon-worshipping priests. Mm-hmm. The ancient uh, Celts or Celtics believed that mistletoe had magical healing powers and could be used as an antidote for poison, infertility, or to ward off evil spirits. Huh? It was also a symbol of peace. And the Romans that believe Romans Marjorie believed that if two enemies if enemies met underneath mistletoe, they would immediately lay down their weapons and embrace. There was kind of a magical power. This is where I think we get the kissing, being, under, the kissing under the mistletoe. And supposedly the tradition is if you kiss somebody under the mistletoe, your next year is going to be just great. Oh, uh, yeah, really? Yeah. And then the Scandinavians associated the plant with it's it's called it's says Frigga or Frigga, which was their goddess of love. Oh. And it may be from this that you know that's I think again mistletoe. where we get the uh, magical powers of the mistletoe, mistletoe, which is probably actually if ho- either right holly and ivy and mm-hmm. you know greenery. Uh, and of course, the northern Europe. A lot of these traditions, of course, arose in northern Europe. Uh, Northern Europe, Christmas occurred during the winter, so many believe that there were ghosts and demons when the wind was howling through the trees in the wintertime. Many believe that there were ghosts and demons Mm -hmm. in the winds. And so they took the boughs of holly, uh, decked the halls with boughs of holly, were believed to have the powers to drive these spirits away. And so a lot of times in the long, cold winter... I thought garlic did that. Greenery... (laughs) Greenery was brought into homes to freshen the air, kind of like an air freshener, and mm-hmm. to brighten the, uh, day. the mood during the long cold. Well, winter. and that makes sense. I mean, the, we you know we have less sun in the winter time, and and people need sun, and so to brighten and to freshen, uh, to refresh yeah. the body, it's you know in it's itself, okay to bring something not, green in the house. Nothing wrong with that. Yeah. Nothing wrong with that. Legend has it that holly sprang up from the footsteps of Christ. See, this is where we get a little Korea. weird here. As he walked through the earth, and the pointed leaves were said to represent the crown of thorns he wore, and the red holly berries, mm-hmm. berries represent the blood he well, shed. Well, actually, it was hawthorn berry that was probably... Yeah. Uh, that hawthorn berry is a red berry, too, and that's for hearts, to heal hearts, and that's the thorns, the crown of thorns is probably made out of a hawthorn. Yeah, yeah, and supposedly with poinsettias, this oh, yeah. What's tradition that? originated down in Mexico... Um, there's a, a guy named Joel Poinsett, who was the U.S. Oh. ambassador to Mexico, was down there, and he brought the, the what plant. we know it was the poinsettia plant, to America in 1828. And uh, supposedly, one tradition says that there was a young Mexican boy that was going to the church to see the nativity scene. Mm-hmm. And he, he, as he was walking, he realized he didn't have a gift for the Christ child. Mm-hmm. So he picked this plant up, uh, which was known as a poinsettia, and set it down uh, by the by the manger mm-hmm. in the, in the uh, nativity scene. And supposedly, then the Tell as he grew. set it down, the the leaves formed like a perfect star. Mm-hmm. So the leaves. We think of the flower of the poinsettia. They're actually the leaves. They're actually red leaves. They're not mm-hmm. actually a flower. So well, they're uh, pretty. I like them. Anyway, no. What I like. Well, then, then I'll God give made you one, them. I'll give you one more. Okay. And um, oh, it's just the other one. Then I want to get to another one that I really, okay, really like. Okay. Um, Rudolph the Red Rose Reindeer. Red Rose. Red nose. Did you red say red nose, rose? Red, red rose. <laughs> Rudolph the red nose reindeer. Uh huh. Now this is, of course, goes in the whole thing of the Santa and the reindeer. And the in sleigh. 1930, 1939. Okay. Uh, Montgomery Ward. There was a guy that was working for the Chicago-based company Montgomery Ward. Mm-hmm. Uh, who? It's a catalog company. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That is no more. Yep. Uh, they uh, uh, they commissioned this guy because they were writing children's books mm-hmm. for Christmas this year. They decided to have one of their own write a children's book that they could children's book that they could market for Christmas. And so he wrote this Rudolph the Red Nosed Reindeer, 
in that first year, uh, 2.4 million of those books went out. This really? was in 1939. By 1946, over 6 million copies of Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer had been distributed. Mm-hmm. And then in 1949, Gene Autry, mm-hmm. some yeah. of you old-timers may remember him. He mm-hmm. had a TV show. He was like a kind of a cowboy in India. Yeah, he yeah. was kind of a singing cowboy. Mm-hmm. He recorded that song, Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer, which you still might hear if you, they got you're going the shopping art. somewhere. Mm-hmm. Uh, that sold 2 million copies that year. And it actually is... It, that Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer is one is one of the best-selling songs of all time. At Christmas time, is that is that the same as Jingle Bells, or is Jingle Bells different? No, Jingle is that Bells the same is song? different. This is Rudolph. This is straight Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer, Bell, and Jingle I think Bell. there was a guy named Burl Ives. Oh yeah, uh, that that sang that too. So again, this oh, yeah, is Rudolph just more of the uh, of the uh, tradition. And then, uh, and I, I want to throw in here too. Um, before I get to the one that I, I, I kind of really like, mm-hmm. is uh, Hanukkah, of course, is begins the 25th day of the Hebrew month of Kislev. It is the uh, Jewish holiday commemorating the rededication of the Holy Temple of Jerusalem after it was destroyed by the Syrians. It's not the Assyrians, the Syrians. Um, and um, they were aiming to destroy the Antiochus IV was trying to wipe out the Jewish religion. Mm-hmm. And uh, he, so he, dis, he, he what defiled year was the that? temple. And then uh, in 1868, uh, no, I'm sorry, in 168 B.C., members of the, this is what we call the intertestamental period. Okay. There were like 400 years of so, you know, prophetic silence uh, before the mm-hmm. Old Testament and the New Testament, the coming of Jesus. 18, uh, 168 B.C., members of the Jewish family uh, called the Maccabees, the Maccabee family, mm-hmm. they led a revolt against these Greek Syrians that were trying to obliterate the Jewish religion. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And the Jews at that time, uh, at, in, in, in 165 B.C., they won the victory over the Syrians and reclaimed their temple. But they were, after cleansing the temple, because it had been defiled by Gentiles mm-hmm. and so forth, and they were preparing for it was uh, its rededication, they found out that they didn't have enough oil to light the, uh, the oil lamp. I, I don't recall the exact name of that oil lamp, but it's always to be burning in a Jewish house of worship. Mm-hmm. They realized they only had one day's supply of oil, that was undefiled, that was pure for their use. But miraculously, one day's supply of oil burned for eight days until a new supply of oil was brought in. So in remembrance of this miracle, one candle of the menorah, an eight-branched candelabra, is lit each of the eight days of Hanukkah, which... uh, I think uh, we just celebrated yesterday, maybe? Yeah, so so this is... uh, this is part of um, wow. It, See, so everybody Hanukkah has their means dedication. Hanukkah means dedication oh, is, is okay. the meaning of that. So, anyway, that's uh, well. This is very cool because what we see is a good thing and a bad thing always mixed together, as it seems like it always is. Mm-hmm. God and Satan are both working in the same place at the same time to do the opposite thing, mm-hmm. and it's whom you yield yourself, servant to obey his slave, he becomes. So, if you yield yourself, your idea, your heart, your desire, your will to the Lord God to do his will, then by grace and through faith, you can uh, celebrate with peace in your heart and joy. And it's, you know, there's so many things that we cannot separate ourselves from. And that's not the point anyway. The point of salvation is not separate yourself from all those things. The point is to separate yourself from sin by obeying and walking in the spirit, um, by accepting the death of Jesus Christ and then, um, we're not going to be perfect after that, but the Holy Spirit is working to sanctify us. So it's really about making the right thing the main thing, and that is knowing that the Son is its all about the Son and, and His birth is, I think, very appropriate to celebrate for Christians, to celebrate the birth of the of the Rescuer, uh, the exactly. hero who came to the Earth. The coming of the Rescuer. And the old, the old phrase, it's kind of a trite phrase, but the main thing is to keep the main thing the main thing. Mm-hmm. 
And, well, and, and uh, could I just yes. read this? Uh, yeah, we'll do that as a wrap-up. Yeah, and I, I want to, um, well, yeah, I'm going to read this, and then I'm, I'm going to um, read this about the candy cane. Okay, all right. Well, all right. We haven't covered the candy cane so, yet. Um, John chapter um, 1, and the word became flesh, verse 14, and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, the glory of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. John, that is John, we know of as John the Baptist, bore witness of him and cried out, saying, This was he of whom I said, He who comes after me is preferred before me, for he was before me. And of his fullness we all have received, and grace for grace. Mm -hmm. For the law was given through Moses, but grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has seen God at any time. The only begotten Son who is in the bosom of the Father, he has declared declared him. him. So this is this is the the uh, eternal mm-hmm. Son of God, the Word of God, that came as a human being to live among us, not only to give us an example of, of how we are to live, but to bring in a a kingdom of light and truth that will to last bring forever us, and ever. Bring us salvation. What we needed more than anything else, more than money, more than fame, more than power. Yep. Uh, more than education, we need a savior. We need That's a rescue. We need, we need a rescue. To be rescued from sin. And uh, now, uh, I'll throw this in here, and then you can okay. go from here, and with how we want to conclude today. But um, there's a story. There's a wonderful little book here, and it's it's based on. It's kind of it's called a legend of the candy cane. Now, how much of this is true? I'm not sure, but um, it's probably anyway, it's a, a legend. It's wonderful. What's that? It's probably a legend. Probably a legend, but uh, we can sometimes. If it's not in the Bible, there's not candy canes in the Bible. So I no, I, been, I haven't seen candy canes in the Bible. I haven't seen. Either, but so go ahead. But the story could very well be true, the base the base story. But anyway, you know the candy cane, mm-hmm. red striped candy cane. If we could look at that. Now we've modernized them, of course, so they're bubble gum right, flavored right, and rainbow right. flavored. And this is this is from a little book called The Red Called Raven. The Candy Maker's Gift. And it's a delightful little book. It's even got candy cane recipes Ooh, okay. at the end of, and how you can do candy cane themes and use it as a an opportunity to witness for Christ. Okay. But um the meaning of the candy cane it says it's hard candy. It reminds us that Jesus is like a rock, strong and dependable, Psalm 31.3. The peppermint flavor reminds us of the gift of spices from the wise men, Matthew 2.11. The white candy stands for Jesus as the holy, sinless Son of God, 1 John 1.7. The cane, cane shape, is like a staff used by shepherds in caring for sheep. Jesus is our good shepherd, John chapter 10. Um, and then the letter J, you know, the, the mm-hmm. crook on the candy cane, is the first letter of the name of Jesus, our Savior, Matthew one twenty one. And the color red reminds us of God's love that sent Jesus uh, and of Jesus shedding his blood for us, John 3.16, Revelation one five, And then the stripes, mm-hmm. the stripes of the candy cane. A large stripe reminds us of the cross on which Jesus died. Three small stripes remind us of his suffering, the crown of thorns, the stripes from the whip on his back, and the nail woods in his hands and his feet, John chapter 19, verses 1 through 30. So here you have a, you have a legend, but you have a symbol, and you, it's a symbol that can be used to young and old just mm-hmm. to explain. It's like an <laughs> object lesson, it's kind of. It's an object lesson mm-hmm. that explains Jesus Christ, who yeah. he is, why he came, what he did. Well, you know, I think uh, God knows everything. So God knew in the foundation of the world that he would provide object lessons for us along the way. And he has through creation. There's object mm. lessons about the Trinity and various things. And this is an object lesson. And and let let us be teachable to learn what God has to say to us 
even though candy canes aren't in the Bible, the, tr- the, the truths that they that it would represent, uh, when you put them all together, that story is in the Bible. So, But we're going to, one more week we're going to be doing this, and next week we're going to have the fun part of talking about the obscure people who were a major part in this very hidden, uh, clandestine, secret night operation uh, that God accomplished in sending Jesus secretly to the earth. And why did he have to do it so secretly? We'll talk about all of that next week. Yeah, I'm looking forward to that. And yeah. so what I call sometimes the characters of Christmas. The characters, <laughs> yeah. Well, okay. Well, this will be, be fun. We'll get right into the scriptures and look at some of these. You said some of these were very uh, obscure, unusual yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. people. That you probably don't think about at Christmas time. That's right. You know, so, maybe you get one or two shepherds in there, but you basically so, forget everybody yeah. else. So, well, Lord, we thank you so much for this opportunity to really rejoice and in the mercy of God and the goodness of God, the strength, your love, your peace, your provision. And that each one today who needs that encouragement and that love, that provision, wherever and however they need it in their lives, where we release it into their lives in Jesus' name. As you said, whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. So we thank you for that. We loose that blessing into their lives this very day. And for your glory, Jesus. Amen. God bless you guys. Amen. Thank you. I have an emergency. What is your location? 